Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a mom and the founder and chief creative officer of Author Accelerator. I'm Melanie. I'm a mom and a writer, and I'm pitching my first novel. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm a mom and a writer pitching my first middle grades novel. Welcome to Mom Writes. This season is all about the ups and downs of pitching. Join us as we prepare to pitch, weather rejections, change course, and hopefully celebrate getting agented. Mom Writes, as always, is sponsored by Author Accelerator, a book coach certification company. If you're a writer and you've ever been jealous of the amazing coaching experience that Melanie and I have had over the course of the last two hundred and fifty podcast episodes, why not head over to AuthorAccelerator.com, where they'll match you with one of their certified book coaches based on your project and your goals. The matching service is free. Or if you've ever listened to one of our episodes and thought, man, Jenny's job is the dream. I want to help writers bring their books to life. Well, Author Accelerator also trains book coaches in their certification program. They have courses for coaching fiction and nonfiction and a course on the business of book coaching. You can sign up for their free all about book coaching video series at www.bookcoaches.com forward slash ABC. And now buckle up for this emotional roller coaster on season three of Mom Writes as we take on pitching. Well, hello, hello, hello. We are still talking pitching prep. I mean, there's so much to talk about. And today, Jenny and I talk about what questions you should be prepared to ask uh, if you get an agent on the phone with you. So knowing some of this ahead of time can help you figure out what kind of agent you're looking for, which can in turn help guide your research. And for you Jane Austen fans, I also ask Jenny what to do if you get the agent on the phone and he ends up being a Mr. Collins. That's when she shares with us a dirty little secret about agents. So welcome back to Mom Writes. So we're back and you left us, you left us with a cliffhanger about Exclusive agents going to pitch the stunt man who wants next roll doll. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I somehow I missed that, and usually my eyes zero right in on Roll Doll's name anywhere I see it, and so I'm surprised I missed that uh, when I was researching him initially. But um, yeah. So looking at my list, you asked me if I would pitch him exclusively. There is, he is really, if I take my short list, which is five agents on my short list, and I cut that down again, there are three agents. Like I can, I can pop two off and there are three that call to me for different various and sundry reasons. Um, And so I think I said last episode that I need a wrangler. Like I don't need a best friend. I really want somebody who's going to say to me like, okay, you want to be the next wild doll. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write, you need 10 books in the next 10 years. And this is what, this is like, this is the age we're writing for. Like, this is how we're going to set you up. Like I, I want them to put parameters on me because I know 
a lot of people very falsely think that creativity is a blank page. Creativity is a blank canvas. Creativity is no rules. Creativity, creativity happens within a set of boundaries. And I feel like I work best when someone says to me, here are your parameters. Now make something fabulous happen. Okay. So there's a couple things I want to say in response to that though, because you, you, I'm, I'm a little worried that you think having an agent is going to be like having a book coach and having somebody, you know, you can like, what do you think of this chapter? Or here's my next 10 pages or they're not, I mean, 99.9% of agents aren't going to do that. They're, they're going to help you on the strategy of your career. Like they might say, Mm -hmm. I want 10 books and I want this age group and um, can you bring the boy in the front for half of them or that type of thing mm-hmm. for sure. That strategic thinking, that career development, that, that, um, big picture. Um, and, and some agents are much more editorial fo- or editorially focused than others where they will take a, a manuscript or half a manuscript or, or what have you and give their opinion on it. But um, most, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, Abby, why didn't you write this month? Or you're behind on your page count. It's going to be, you know, bigger picture than that. So, cause right. they're, they're about the, um, they're about getting the contracts, getting the publishing deals, managing the publishing relationships. That's their, their, more their focus. So you may have, um, like I have, a another writer that I'm working with who is, is writing middle grades who already had an agent when she came to me and she's switching genres. She had not, she'd not written fiction nor had she written middle grade and she had this idea for a series. And, um, so we, when she had half the book, she sent it to her agent, like, is this viable? And her agent gave a quick read and said, totally viable. You should finish it. So mm-hmm. we finished it. And then um, it actually won a, um, it won a work in progress award, which will probably make the selling of it a done deal. Um, and, and then the, the, um, the writer wrote the second synopsis for the second book and sent it to the agent and said, what do you think of this for the next book? And, you know, the agent read it and gave her thumbs up. Like it, that type of thing you'll get for sure. But in terms of nitty gritty, you're not going to get that. So I just want to... You don't need that when you have the coach though. Yeah, no, totally. I just want to level set that. But Right. But they would be able to sort of guide me as to how you set up the structure of your career, right? Which is, yes. uh, that's the piece that the book coach doesn't necessarily Correct. do. Correct. That the agent picks up. But you want, when you get on the phone, if somebody is offering you representation and you get on the phone with them, these are the questions you're going to want to ask. You're going to want to say, I have a gazillion ideas. I could write 12 different series for 12 different age groups. You know, I'm on fire. I want to do this forever. Um, are you, tell me how you work with your writers. Tell me how, what is a typical um, process development process look like for you? Do you want to see, um, you know, uh, uh, a pitch of the book before I write it? Do you want to see it after? Like, mm-hmm. how, how would you work with me over time? 
And you'll get a really good sense by their answers because they're going to say like, what are you talking about? You know, you write a book and I sell it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and you'll be like, okay, got it. Or, or they'll say, oh my gosh, send me a list of your 47 ideas and let's call through them and let's put them in order. You know, like you'll get a sense mm-hmm. of it. Um, but that's the kind of thing you want to be really on the ball to ask and, and be aware of for your own self because you you want that. So you're looking for that. And that goes back to what we were talking about before. You're choosing too, right? Mm-hmm. And if you got an agent, like let's just say this happened, that you got an agent who wanted to represent, represent you and and they're like, this is a great book. It's a great story. You did a great job. It's, it's really good. And I could see how it's going to be a series. Love it. Can't wait to sell it. And you're like, oh my gosh, and I have 47 other ideas. And there's this and there's that and the other. And they're like, you know, Abby, um, let's just sell this and, and then we can, we can see. And they're like cold and, and, and you're not, you're, you're not, you know, they're not getting your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not want to go for that, you know, like you have to um, weigh all those things. So thinking about my next series and thinking about this guy, Alex Shane and giving him an exclusive and the fact that he likes boy books, yada, yada. I have been thinking that (laughs) the next thing I want to write is a spinoff with the pirate rat. And the talking parrot and a whole series of I love it. crazy talking animal things, which I would think he would eat right up. Totally. Um, um, My but, daughter, by the way, was a massively big fan of the Redwall books. The, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, my are, God. I mean, talking rats, but they're like very specific kind of talking. Yeah, like in the Abbey and they have the wars with the other rodents. I mean, I can't go. uh, My daughter recently, um, oh, they did the cutest thing. She and her, she's 27 and she and her friends, she works at BookBub. So she's in the book industry and they did the cutest thing where they had a book club for a year where they went back and read everybody's favorite childhood like the book that really got them into reading yeah and so she had them reread the first Redwall book and I mean it was very the whole year was very moving for all of them like it was a really beautiful idea but when they were reading it she called me up my daughter called me up and she was like these books are so violent and she was like I I had no idea and they're like political and they're you know it was all this stuff and she's like I I just thought it was like cute cute little talking guys running around with swords you know it was fascinating I actually just bought the first three Redwall books for my friend Cassandra's son Braden we call them the boys she has three sons and Braden and B are, um, they're, they're like best friends. And it's, it's funny to watch them. It's also great research because, you know, when you're in fifth grade, you can still be best friends with a boy without there being any kind of weirdness to it. And B and Braden are our best friends. And so for his birthday, I bought him the Redwall books because he had been into reading and he had been reading some like dragony things and, he, you know, some other sort of stuff. And, um, 
So I introduced him to Redwall because I thought, oh my God, that would be right up the valley. The kid catches every rat and snake in the yard. And I mean, like, if that doesn't catch his imagination, I don't, I don't know what would. Um, I love it. So, so back to back to our, our our boy, our man, um, Alec. What if he ever listens to this? And I'm like totally scheming about it. Um, so this, just so your listeners may or may not understand what an exclusive is, it it means you only send to that one agent and you wait until they respond before you you send to anyone else. And um, it's a it's a way of a sign of respect and um it takes the pressure off of them to go fast or compete um and some agents have opinions about them and others don't um and you said one on your list actually says she only takes exclusive queries Mm -hmm. yeah and i was concerned about that um only because so if you pitch someone exclusive as your very, very first pitch, that better be the person you really, really want, right? Back to what you were saying yesterday, like you also don't pitch the 30th person on your list first just to try it out because if they offer. Well, if they offer, you have the, the opportunity to turn them down. Like if, you, mm-hmm. if they offered you representation and you get on the phone with them and, and, and you're like, them. Wow. So like if you're Elizabeth Bennett and the agent turns out to be Mr. Collins, <laughs> take a leaf out of Jane Austen's book. You don't have to say yes to marriage just because you've been asked. Correct. And I just would like to add here that that is extremely difficult to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm worried not that this guy, Alex Shane, is going to be Mr. Collins, but that he's going to be Mr. Wickham. Like she's going to be like so appealing and just like, but turns out in the end to be like the opposite of what you want. And so, well, I mean, here's the thing. People think that the right agent is going to make or break their career because they have a lot of power and they do a lot for you, especially in the beginning. No question. They're, they're incredibly important, but the dirty little secret that people don't often talk about is a lot of writers have multiple agents over their career and they, they leave for one reason or another. I mean, I had, um, now I'm just trying to think it through. Um, um, at least no, I had three, I had three agents and you leave for different reasons. It's like, Oh, you want to write a different kind of book that they don't represent. Or maybe the last book didn't go so well and you're just feeling sour on them or you've met somebody else and it, you know, it's just gone really well. Or even like does KJ have two at the same time because they both cover different genres. Yes. So, so people um, there's, and it's not always, like, like I'm super good friends with all the agents that I worked with and I'll send writers to them sometimes. Like it, um, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but the, the, like if you, if it turns out that, that you signed with him, he, saw, he sells your first book and then it turns out not to be the, the right person for you, you find someone else or, okay. you know, even in now in this day and age, there's also 
writers or, you know, you might write something you want to self-publish or you want to do some hybrid thing with, or like people are doing, um, I think I might've seen Lori McLean on your list. Um, from, she is. From Fuse. And, and I know Lori and, and Fuse is um, an agency really on the forefront of, um, they, they do all different things for their writers. Like if their writer wants to self-publish, they'll sort of help direct them to the resources for them to do it. And they'll, you know, if they want to do some other genre, they'll find them and, you know, they, they, they're aware that it's not the way it used to be like, you know, Hemingway and, and mm-hmm. I don't know who the, his agents was. Gertrude was Stein, wasn't that? that is agent we all know who no or is she the art the famous art person she might be the famous <laughs> max perkins was his editor <laughs> but i know who the agent was but you know like you know just the relationship for the rest of time so it's not you know we talked before about like it's a blind date leading to marriage but it's you can get divorced it's okay nothing is permanent except who you have children with haven't i heard you say that before that's me (laughs) that's me um so yeah so the exclusive thing um if if you wanted to go to the person who only takes exclusive usually that's just a question of time because they'll take however long they take for four weeks six weeks whatever to to give you an answer, it could well be a no, then you're, you've lost that time. So So weird question about that. Then if you give someone an exclusive, that doesn't necessarily float your, if they're not someone who only takes exclusives, if you give someone who's just open and exclusive, that doesn't necessarily float your query letter up to the top for them to look at. Well, what it does, like if you were to go to Alex Shane, who, who takes everything and you were to say, um, dear Alec, I just was so taken with your bio. You said you wanted the next role doll. This is totally me. I just think that we would be a perfect fit. And I am sending this to you on an exclusive basis because I feel so strongly about it and I'm not going to pitch anyone for four weeks. And I just want you to know that. And then you launch into your query. Like if they get that, well, first of all, we should talk about the reality that, um, I don't, I don't know in this particular agent's case, but in a lot of agents cases, they have readers. They're not doing even, they're not even, um, they might not be reading their, their inbox or, or if they do, they're whipping through it really fast. And so they're going to see that, or the reader's going to see that. That's going to get their attention. That mm-hmm. not they're not, like out of three hundred queries in a week, how many say that? You know, a, a vast number of queries that an agent get are going to be wackadoodle because there's wackadoodle people out there, or they're going to be really unprofessional. Then there's going to be a percentage of people who've done their homework and are doing a professional good job. But what percentage of them ha- are saying that? Probably like. One percent at most, right? So point oh one, like who knows? Maybe no one. So it's 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 a, like I said, it's a sign of respect. Um, it's not going to float them to the top, like oh, um, I'm going to give I'm going to give this uh, book idea more weight because of that. It's just mm-hmm. like 
you might get pulled out of this the query pile and instead because of it. That's that's yeah. So there there's no harm in doing it. It like I said, it's just a matter of time. And there are a lot of situations where it does make sense. So in your situation, you have three top rank agents on your list. One of them only wants exclusive. So you have to decide, do I go to her? You don't have to go to her first. Um, you could go to, let's just say, the other two of your top three and see what happens with them. And if those are no's, then you could go to her exclusively, the one who only takes exclusive. So you don't have to mm-hmm. do an exclusive one first, but it it does need to be the only, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so if you were to decide to do the exclusive one in the second batch. So if the first batch, say I did the other two yeah. agents first, you yeah. have to wait and hear no's from both of them before you can pitch the third one exclusively, right? Right. And the thing that's tricky about that, we talked about this before, sometimes it's not a no, sometimes it's a you're just never hearing from us. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide on a you know, what the agents say, like, if you don't hear from us in six weeks, you can consider that a no. You you sort of need to wait for those six weeks to play out because you don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and what you don't want, like the thing you really don't want is, let's say you pitch the two mm-hmm. who aren't exclusive and you got a no from one and you didn't hear from the other for, for three weeks. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to send an exclusive to the third. And then that second one came back and said, Oh, we love your book. And we want to talk to you. You'd be like, "Uh Oh, now what yeah. do I do? that would be a really bad situation because you'd, you know, it's like you'd promised. Yeah. So an exclusive is a promise. And so, um, you know, you just got to think that through. So like you could go to Alec on an exclusive basis first. And normally what you do with somebody um, who's not asking for it is you give a period of time. You know, I, I, I'm not going to pitch anybody else until, you know, four weeks from now or three weeks or some reasonable would you choose whatever their typical turnaround time is? If they state so. it, you would just choose that. Yeah, I think that that's respectful. And um, and then you just have to sit on your hands for that, for that period of time, which could be torture. But, you know, you can keep researching the other agents. You can get your list mm-hmm. together. You can, um, you know, start sketching out the other books. You could take a break. Like, there's a million things you can do, but... Um, you would just wait for that to play out. And then you could, in, in that situation, let's say you got a no, you could in that situation then go to the next exclusive, mm-hmm. the one who asks for it, and and then wait. You know, and what are you talking about? Like maybe a total of two months for those two mm-hmm. things to play out. It's not the end of the world. No, I mean, I just took, five months off from writing the book. So. Oh, because of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I figure, you know, I finished it in, in January and then I didn't look at it again until like, you know, May. So, I mean, you figure that's... Okay, like you said, so 
I went back into the man, the manuscript after you said I didn't make many comments. And I was like, yes, I did. But what's funny is they were all in my head. They were not on the page. So I, <laughs> I went back into your first chapter and, and there's a, there, like I said before, there are just a couple of little, little things that, so, so I want you to look at those and we could talk about those next time. But what, what it is with the, like your second and third chapter, I talked about this before, are, are they're so smooth. There's not one thing that pulls you out of the story. And there were a couple things in those first pages that made me go like, wait, what? Or I thought this, or I didn't get that. And you don't want any of those because it just, you want, you just want to, like you talked about before, you want your reader just to be in it, you know? So it's, they're, they're really small things, but, um, but I would clean those up. And then um, I think you should come back for our next episode with a plan for these first five agents. Um, okay. Like propose to me a pitch plan. Like, here's how we're going to roll it out and what I'm going to do. And, and we'll talk through that, um, that pitch plan. And, um, I'm going to look at uh, my homework will be, I'm going to look at your other agents. So I know who the characters we're talking about here in this play are. Um, and, and then <laughs> there's the spreadsheet. I think you can hear it. <laughs> So we'll talk about that, getting that, those first chapters into shape and then the, the cast of characters in your, in your pitch plan. Um, and I'll, I'll look at them so that I know, I mean, I took a quick look at your list and it's a, it, it's a great list. Um, you did a great job. So it's, it's short. There's not a ton of agents on it. There's, I think there were 25 agents on it, which I figured was enough to get me going. And then I could keep researching and adding to it. But, you know, without getting myself too bogged down in like, oh, because like you said, you could spend like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks doing this. I, you know, I tried to get a good solid start to it with the intent of if I need to, I'm going to add to it. Yeah. No, I think that's really smart. And and what you can do is send out in waves or batches, I call it the batch method. And then while you've got a batch out, you can research, you know, put four or five or six more on your list. You can just keep going because there are probably hundreds of really excellent agents that could get, could do what you need to do. You know, And I think a lot of these agents that are on my list right now, if I really started to dig into that, there would be ones on there that I really, really like you know, probably just as much as I like Alex Shane. Um, when you really start doing like somebody said to me today, Jennifer Lochran, um, from Andrea Brown. Yeah. She, they're like, Oh my God, I've met her. You would adore her. And so, you know, things that are a little more word of mouth. Yeah. Um, so, well, and but, the, thing, um, the thing you also want to do is, um, Oh, shoot. It went out of my head. The thing you want to do. Shoot. Oh, oh, I know. Um, so if there's like writer's house where Alex Shane is, has dozens of agents and there may be multiple agents at that agency you want to pitch. And some agencies only let you pitch one at a time at their agency, or you pitch to like a central email mm -hmm. and they disperse you know, you can't really identify or like different agencies have different ways of handling it. Um, 
but a lot of them do have restrictions around that. So you want to make, make sure, because sometimes when you're on an agency website and you're researching someone, someone else will come up like, oh, I like them too. So you want to kind of make sure you've got that ironed out as well. Um, so if you decide to pitch someone at a really big agency, make sure do a rundown of the other agents that would also take middle grades and just make sure that there's not one of them that maybe I might like a little better well, and that to shift around. Happens, like if I, if I am building an agent list for a writer and I present it to them, um, they'll often like, let's say I presented Alex Shane to someone, they would go to writer's house and research him and be like, but wait, why didn't you pick this person? I like this person better, uh, you know, which is totally mm-hmm. fine. And that's why it's so personal for, you know, it's, it's best if the writer does the research, because like you say, I don't know that a Hollywood stunt guy is going to speak to you, you know, like, <laughs> although right? you met me, you could have probably guessed that. Probably guessed that. <laughs> You know, I love dogs, you know, I probably could guess that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you've got your homework. I have my homework and we will we will proceed to get it together. And you're going to pitch in a pandemic because that's where we are. And onward we will go. I have no choice. So, oh, <laughs> I like your attitude. I think it's a good attitude because, you know, we're in a pandemic now, but who knows what we're going to be in six months from now. It could be something worse. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't jinx us. I mean, Godzilla hasn't started walking the streets just yet. So, <laughs> so oh, gosh. All right. All righty. We'll reconvene and uh, talk about our homework next time. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.